Hey everyone, and welcome to the Clear Cash podcast. I have a here. Th- hey, what's up? I have a list. I wanted to go over with you, okay. Julian. So I compiled a list of all the game developers that I could think of, and uh, decided whether or not they smoke weed and what how they smoke weed. Okay. So I wanted to run this by you. Please. Okay, so Miyamoto, he used to burn one. He doesn't do that anymore. Um, Warren Spector. Okay. Absolutely blazes. Kojima, straight edge. Tim Schafer, Daily Chiefer. Ooh. Todd Howard. I think he does edibles on weekends. Um, Sid Meier. Blows clouds once a month. Will Wright burns trees like a damn wildfire. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Peter Molyneux, straight edge. Definitely, like, annoyingly so. Yeah. John Carmack. Doesn't smoke weed, but he doses DMT. John Romero. Chillest nug roaster, <laughs> for sure. And then Cliffy B. Dabs. He would. Absolutely. I want to see what Cliffy B.'s dab rig looks like. I bet it's... Do you think it looks like a Gears of War thing, or do you think it is like sciency looking, like a lab experiment? He could go either way. I feel like a lot of dab rigs these days, uh, when I see him in person, r- remind me of, of something that you would see in a science lab. Mm-hmm. But Cliffy B does like to represent his creations. Totally. So maybe it would look like a chain gun from Gears of War. <laughs> I bet he had a dab rig that looked like one of the lawbreakers weapons. But if you go to his house now, like when you're walking up to the driveway, you see the trash can out front and it's, it's the dab rig is like smashed in the recycling bin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that now game you go in forgotten now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just they had to abandon it, man. That, that probably was heartbreaking. Absolutely. For Cliffy. And he B. was lit when they made that decision too. Oh, so yeah. it was especially intense. And uh, Miyamoto, do you think it was mm-hmm. college that he was a smoker? Yeah, a totally. But mm-hmm. casual, very lightweight. He'd get too high sometimes. But yeah. he was such a giggler, dude. Oh, I bet he was such a giggler. Shit. Do you think uh, he, he was dreaming up some crazy Mario stuff back then? Totally, dude. How do you think that he decided that Mario rides a dinosaur? And eats mushrooms. <laughs> oh, shit. It's right in our faces. It's so obvious. It's so clear. Yeah. Who would you burn with? Uh, it, you know, I, I have an affinity to Todd Howard, but he's uh, he's kind of a meme these days, and Mm-mm. edibles don't agree with me. Mm-mm. Edibles are, are really dangerous to someone who doesn't do that type of thing regularly. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. No, they, they sneak up on you. They're tricky. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would probably stay away from Todd Howard. The, the obvious choice for me is Sid Meier. Oh yeah, yeah. I just feel like when I like when I play a Civ game, it's like the one of the most chill experiences I could have. Mm-hmm. You sit down at your PC, let time evaporate behind you as you build a civilization, a colony. You think about it. You you think about the choices you make. Mm-hmm. You think about do we have enough food? They're serious topics, but they don't they don't feel serious because you're a god in that game. No, you're you're like step back, removed from the situation. You're just looking. You're just thinking. You know, you're just thinking. Yeah, I bet, the big picture bet, stuff. Yeah, totally. I feel like Sid Meier has like a 
a mahogany lined like library room like a smoking smoking lounge mm-hmm. and uh, he's got some leather chairs and you pop in chief one nice tightly rolled J and around you are just world history books and he pops on a blue note record and you guys just chop it up about like he he brings up some some high level shit and you're like whoa yeah i wouldn't even talk i would just listen i would just listen i wouldn't interrupt him i would just exist in in his library with him and just have him tell me stories and stuff and then he gets up and he walks directly to one of the shelves and pulls out a very specific book and it's like aboriginal like tribal myths mm-hmm. of like the turn of the century and just opens up to like his favorite lithograph pa- panel <laughs> and you're like what the fuck Dude, am i looking at <laughs> and he just tells you all about it yeah just has that knowledge yeah. he would impart some wisdom so yeah i would say sid meyer would be a good choice for me mm-hmm. um how about you i think like casually it'd be tim schaefer because mm-hmm. he would just want to fucking hang out and crack some jokes and pop on some local multiplayer some shit or put on a, a dumb like movie and just chat extra chill I, I like sometimes i get a little overwhelmed by people like sid meyer when i'm in that space you know sometimes but, the knowledge is too much absolutely sometimes yeah. there's things that you didn't want to know or learn no yeah no i don't want to sometimes like i get I go down the hole of existentialism mm-hmm. when they start talking about that kind of high level shit. And Tim Schafer, I don't feel like he would do that to me. Yeah. I feel like I'd be safe with him. It makes sense. Yeah. Existentialism, while under the influence of high grade dankage, mm-hmm. not good. No, I can wreck you. It could, it could take you down a dark hole. And that's why I probably don't want to be playing something like uh, Death Stranding when I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Mm-mm. That's that, I feel that, that'll take go to, go to dark places. Do you uh, do you think that you'd be safe with Kojima if he was like your chaperone? Well, he would be sober, right? So yes, he would take over that role. I guess I don't know. I feel like he would try to like not purposefully lead me somewhere dark, but it would just mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Not like physically, like he would take me into an alley or something. But he would just no. start talking about something. and he'd put on like a new order record yeah and it would just it would turn really quick Mm -hmm. um and the thing is i I also don't speak japanese so he would just be speaking japanese he speaks english well well, i mean under true he does um i have seen many interviews where he has but it doesn't seem like he's like completely fluent Um, so i wonder okay so so one of his best buddies is mads mickelson right and and mickelson speaks English as a second language. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do they both communicate with English as a second language? Or do they have like some they made up a new language shit? Or another dude, yeah, maybe they're like twins and they have another language. <laughs> maybe that's what Death Stranding actually is about, is about their friendship. It's like I would, one you know big what? metaphor. I wouldn't hang out with Kojima like blitz out of my skull, but I would hang out with Kojima hanging out with Mads Mickelson. And I would just sit back and watch that interaction that's, unfold. That's kind of uh, a euphoric experience in and of itself. No yeah. drugs needed. No. No. That'd be something to behold. Exactly. Well, that's a good list. I'm glad that you came up with that. 
because I, I often don't think about uh, which of my favorite developers or any game developer is is chief and really hard and guaranteed some do absolutely maybe there should be a you should write a high times piece which game developers are the chillest and also the dankest i feel like it'd be it'd lean too negative like if i were to go to cliffy b's house he would he would uh first he would cajole me into smoking too much um out of like enormous rigs that i don't want to interact with and then he would get really amped because he only does sativa and then he would put <laughs> he would put on like a future record and just fucking blast it so unpleasantly loudly and they just sit there next to me bobbing and just staring at me yeah like like waiting for me to react like an owl like a barn owl yeah yeah i'd be like i don't want to do this too, man too intense <laughs> yeah. too intense for me wow so speaking um, of intense julian yeah how do you feel about the uh, Marvel franchise, the MCU universe, big roller coaster movies? <laughs> well, uh, you know, as it stands now, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm back to a neutral ground with it. Okay. Um, we talked about Infinity War recently. I just mm -hmm. saw that, and uh, one of the things that was circulating after Infinity War, because Infinity War obviously is like the crux of what they've been building to for a long time in the Marvel universe, cinematic Marvel universe. Mm -hmm. is uh, there's been a few articles that brought up the fact that um, back in the late 90s, 98 exactly, um, Marvel was kind of in a tough spot. They, they weren't doing very well sales-wise. They're low on cash. They needed to make some changes. And one of the things that they decided they were, they were going to do was, it was sell their, the rights to all their characters for movie-making purposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, they came to Sony Pictures and said, hey, Sony, for $25 million, which is a lot of money, but compared to movies and money these days, not that much. They said, hey, Sony, will you, will you buy all of our characters' rights for, to make movies out of them for $25 million? And Sony declined. They, they, didn't, they didn't see anything other than Spider-Man glowing in that pile so they only bought the spider-man rights mm -hmm. hence why in the early 2000s we saw the spider-man trilogy which was enormously successful in its own right totally um and so all these articles and what the talk is right now is what would have sony done had they purchased all of those rights would they have tried to build a cinematic universe i mean that concept wasn't realized until uh marvel studios started doing it had Sony bought the rights to all the characters, would they have generated that thought? Would they have decided to start building towards a shared universe? A lot we've seen it happen outside of Marvel. You know, we um, there's been the failed Universal shared universe with the old classic horror movie characters, mm -hmm. which isn't going anywhere and, and probably won't. I mean, they're they're still trying. Did you see the Mummy? By the way, Tom Cruise the Mummy. No, not good. Are they still trying after all? I thought they abandoned it. No, they, they, as far as I know, they're still trying. And they're eventually going to connect that old Wolfman movie with Benicio Del Toro from like 10 years ago. Wow. All right. With uh, the Dracula movie that came out, Dracula Untold. Oh, yeah. Which uh, had Luke Evans, I think, as uh, the main, uh, who played Dracula. Do you think that they would have developed... Uh, in parallel with spider-man and created some sort of shared universe so i think let's uh, let's think about why the mcu 
uh, series is so successful. So I think that the things that create its success are its um, bold directorial choices mm -hmm. and uh, its consistent upbeat tone across all of the movies. Mm -hmm. There's very fun movies. And um, I think early on with the choice of Sam Raimi and his Spider-Man trilogy, those movies match both of those criteria like sam raimi of evil dead 2 um uh drag me to hell uh he's a strange fucking choice for a, a blockbuster movie yeah totally he's very uh, very goofy yeah and also like his movies are disgusting right like yeah, they vile <laughs> yeah they're not something that i would i wouldn't choose that you know if i were a major studio i wouldn't choose somebody as risky as sam raimi to helm a movie that I want kids to go see. Um, but they did, and it was a, a, an excellent choice. Uh, the first Spider-Man movie was pretty good. Uh, Spider-Man 2 is one of the best action movies, in my opinion. Oh, hands down. The yeah. fight sequences and the choreography on, in that movie are, they hold up and are better than still most things that now. It's yeah, crazy. they're astonishing. And, and the storytelling, the character development very good you sympathize with peter parker as like somebody who's stretched who's pulled stretched you thin mm -hmm. um <clears throat> doc doc Ock, yeah super tragic figure uh awesomely portrayed by alfred molina um and then spider-man 3 came out and Raimi himself was stretched a little too thin by that too many villains um spider-man being pulled in too many directions yeah um really weird sh uh, scenes which I fully like give credit to Raimi for executing on. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to give credit to the fact that those scenes stand now as just huge bits of pop culture memeology. Like you go to so many threads these days or anywhere on the internet and you'll find Peter Parker dancing like an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man 3. And that's like an extension of Spider-Man 2 has the, has the operating sequence that is just straight up, an Evil Dead movie, like a just a mini movie, uh, with all these awesome like uh, handheld camera shots, sharp zooms, quick edits, mm -hmm. uh, total callbacks to his Evil Dead series, mm -hmm. uh, and then he kind of takes that silliness and like goes full whole hog on it in Spider-Man Three. So, like anyway, a point that I'm getting at is that it seemed like Sony was willing to make those decisions uh, to keep to have like silly silliness in their movies and uh, make bold directorial choices but um after that they kind of just when they tried to relaunch the spider-man series they totally just abandoned that that, that sensibility for some reason I, I think due in part to marvel's success at the time uh, mm. with, with with what they were doing because i think the first amazing spider-man film came out four years ago or so maybe five years ago which is mm -hmm. Timeline wise, right in the middle, uh, pretty much of of building uh, Marvel building their cinematic universe fell pretty short with with the Ama Amazing Spider Man and Amazing Spider Man Two. Uh, were they both directed by Mark Webb? Yeah, so like Marvel has made some really interesting directorial choices. With uh, you got Shane Black of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, um, got John Favreau swingers iron man um kenneth branagh who is a 
uh, like Shakespeare um, actor um, and director. Um, director Thor. Yeah, directed Thor. Uh, the Russos, comedy directors, um, just really bold, strange choices. And then they, ch- and then Sony chose Mark Webb, who at the time had 500 Days of Summer under his belt, which is a really great romantic comedy, but it's a romantic comedy. Um, I, I don't think that he had the experience or uh, like sensibility for a large scale action movie, and the his execution sort of. Um, showed that like amazing spider-man was totally forgettable and i didn't even bother seeing the second one because i heard he was attached to the sequel inexplicably yeah critically both movies uh were failures commercially i think they did pretty well but they're not they weren't well reviewed uh, and they don't stand up next to the quality of marvel movies the marvel studios and disney movies but i is Sony like if you if you look back on the timeline, like Sony basically pioneered making a really really bold directorial choices with the Spider-Man series, and then just it was just a one and done effort to re, you know reach out like that, mm-hmm. and then Marvel kind of maybe took the took the lead from from Sony and said, hey, that was a good idea. Let's let's make really strange directorial choices and and get like a uh, trauma alumni James Gunn to direct this space opera movie um, yeah and now james gunn is his choice is like a big big deal whereas before that it was he was really low on the totem pole in hollywood yeah he like was probably dis- the lowest totally just like these disgusting b-movie horror movies which were really fucking rad don't get me yeah. wrong like he's a great director but just a really fucked up choice for a, a pg-13 blockbuster film and it was an excellent, and he even he even squeezed Lloyd Kaufman in, like the head of Trauma, which is a studio that produces just the most disgusting schlock that America is yeah, capable dude. of. Just waste. Speaking of waste, Tox, the one of the actors who played Toxic Avenger died yesterday, so R.I.P. Toxie. Oof, ouch! I've yeah. never actually seen the Toxic Avengers movies. They're fucking gross. I know. Dude. I've seen like the, the the random clips and gifs of it online that appear every now and then of like the anthropomorphic dicks and yeah it's just yeah it's tromeo and juliet tromeo anthropomorphic and juliet. dick mm-hmm. uh terror firmer is a is a really good uh lloyd kaufman joint <laughs> with some really <laughs> nasty shit uh yeah anyway so yeah disney hiring james gunn super out of left field paid off in massive dividends because guardians of the galaxy enormously successful and and really yeah. actually kind of was a good pivot for them because it was a, a straight up test. It was like, okay, if we can make a successful Guardians of the Galaxy movie, we can make a successful Ant Man movie. We can mm. go in all these different directions with these other like B superheroes, and and they'll be successful. And right. Guardians of the Galaxy is now a gigantic part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, also, imagine if Guardians of the Galaxy failed, like we wouldn't be having that. We wouldn't be watching Infinity War right now because it's the it's the series that ties the Marvel characters to space. Yeah, it was the it was the first foray really into into greater space. I mean, in the Thor movies, you have Asgard, which is kind of in space. It's like an mm-hmm. ethereal plane almost, but it does exist in, in space. Mm-hmm. It's like its own planet, I guess. But you're right. Guardians of the Galaxy was the first actual adventure into space with cosmic characters thor itself also like the first two thor movies were not great uh the mm-hmm. kenneth Branagh first thor movie 
pretty boring all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor 2, Dark World, pretty forgettable. Maybe the weakest movie in the last 10 years of Marvel Studios films. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the first two Thor are like definitely down at the bottom. Uh, but yeah. then you have Thor Ragnarok, the third Thor movie. They get director Taika Waititi, who really never directed a, a large, big-budget film like that. Um, Fly of the Concords. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows. Um, and The Hunt for the Wilder People. Like, mm-hmm. these very, like, indie, purely comedic films that have a mm-hmm. really great sense of humor. And he, his humor is fantastic. Totally. And uh, they, get, they give him the reins for ragnarok and they're like do your do your thing make this funny like how you make your other stuff funny mm-hmm. and he did and thor ragnarok is one of the best marvel movies ever now it's really 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 good um and and probably the, the funniest marvel movie so to, to turn thor into that is is amazing he's kind of the mark webb of the marvel universe like Mar- like 500 days of summer funny heartfelt movie um but uh the amazing spider-man films didn't pan out maybe mark webb hadn't developed his voice properly yet maybe he's just not cut out for that kind of choice but uh or that kind of movie but um taika watiti similar pedigree um and the execution on his movie was really good apparently i haven't seen it but um you know i've only heard positive things yeah so yeah i as to the question of whether or not Sony could have developed a Marvel universe of the degree that Marvel has or that uh, Disney has, uh, I don't know. I know that Sony was making similar choices that Marvel is ma- or that so- that Disney is making. So many goddamn brands. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know Sony is making was making similar choices that Disney is now making that are panning out extremely well for them, but I don't know that they were making exactly the right decisions or if they would continue to you know there's just not enough history there yeah. to say so. and that's the best answer is that no one would really no one really knows what what sony could have done sony didn't even know what they could have done obviously yeah. they didn't they only bought the spider-man rights right uh hence where where we are now where sony now shares the rights to spider-man with marvel they had mm-hmm. a truce and the first marvel spider-man movie uh disney's Marvel movie. Uh, God damn it, dude. It's I can't even do it either. <laughs> yeah. The first Disney Marvel Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, great. Really good. Mm-hmm. And now Spider-Man's in the Avengers. Everything's fine. Everything's peachy. So, um, what have you been playing? Have you been playing anything lately? I know you were uh, out for a bit. Um, what games have you yeah, been playing? Yeah, I've just been playing Dark Souls 3. Uh, what's your character build right now? Dex and Intelligence. Okay. Um, I, I always go for decks cause I like fast characters, but I always run into characters or bosses that need to be stunned and, uh, decks doesn't cut it, so to speak. True. There are, there are, uh, a lot of bosses in, in Dark Souls 3 that are susceptible to bleed, right? So, and, and that's, uh, right. dex affects that, I think, doesn't it? Or no, luck yeah, affects bleed. Well, yeah, they're like a lot of the weapons for dex builds have bleed effects like i'm using the uji katana mm-hmm. which has uh like 30 bleed on it and um it's just you know you can't tell with with dark souls enemies like what they're susceptible to you have to look it up yeah <laughs> and uh, i just don't do that and that you know maybe that's my fault 
I think it's the game's fault. But um, <laughs> um, have you been yeah. uh, playing with someone, or are you just going solo all the way through? Just solo, and then like, I think for the Abyss Watchers, I summoned a magic dude or a uh, a miracles person because they're susceptible to to faith. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I'm a magic build, and I was having a really hard time. Yeah. So, but that's it. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm in a Bo- Boreal Valley, I think. Oh, okay. Called. The snow area. It's very snowy. Yeah. Those yeah, guys are really good looking game. Yeah. Real pretty. Kind of hearkening back to Bloodborne now with the, all the like turn of the century architecture and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Was it not like that before? I guess it was more medieval in the previous. It was very entry. medieval. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What about you? What have you been playing? I have uh, been playing a few things. Um, mostly God of War. Which okay. came out a couple weeks ago. How you like? I like very much. It's actually the first God of War game that I've played. Uh, oh, I, I think well, you're, I, you're in I, luck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I maybe had tried a little bit of God of War two in the past, but mm-hmm. I I always get Sony consoles really late into their lifespan. Uh, right. I didn't get a PS two until like three years after it had come out, and I didn't get a PS three until again like two years after it had come out. So uh, I missed a lot of the God of War stuff because God of War was always something that Sony tried to push out pretty quickly, you know, after the consoles mm-hmm. came out as console sellers. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, that game, those games are very, very popular. Yeah. And pretty big successes. Uh, but this is the first God of War game I've played. And have you ever played them before? I have, yeah. So I got the uh, PlayStation 3 towards the end of the 360 and PS3 cycle and got the God of War collection. I was very interested in where the story went in those games. It seemed interesting Mm -hmm. from the outside looking in. And I played the first one all the way through, and that was not a lot lot of fun. And then the second one, and I just stopped halfway. I didn't care the for me the big problem with that series is the way that the combat feels it's just like you're just flinging shit all over the place it doesn't feel targeted um the dodging is strangely slow really uh, yeah it's like it's this floaty like it starts fast and then you like slow down towards the end of it huh. and it's very long like you go like the animation is long the, no, like the distance that you cover is very far. Oh, okay. So you can't stay tight, but you don't need to because your weapons are so huge. Like they just like swing across half of the screen. Um, I don't like that kind of that kind of like flailing combat. I like very specific like Ninja Gaiden type combat. Tight, confined. Tight, yeah, tight, close quarters, um, and more specific. Like I'm I am swinging now. I hit. The, I have the one swing. Whereas right. like God of War, you press a button, your fucking blades shoot out for like three seconds. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, when I when I've seen uh, footage of of the earlier games, um, it looks like you spend a lot of time in the air. Like there's a lot of air juggling. Right. Yeah. You knock them up, and then you get up there, and you just fucking swing on them. Yeah. Very different in this iteration of God of War, which is pretty much a soft reboot of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same. It, it picks up where the last God of War game left off in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's, you're still playing as Kratos. It's not a completely new story. Right. Uh, it's a continuation of that story, but everything else besides the story is 
is different. The combat, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Kratos can't even jump in this game, which I, I it looks like he could in previous games. Yeah, he was jumping. All, he had this really awful double jump. It, it, God of War had this really terrible jump mechanic where you'd, you'd jump and he would fucking launch in the air and land in like half of a second. <laughs> yeah, the jump was super fast. Um, Weird. So I'm glad that I limited it. It sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. It, so you're grounded, uh, mm-hmm. locked into the ground in this. Um, and the combat is way less jumpy, way less... Uh, it, it, it actually lost a lot of speed, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of these really long combos, and it looks like even the previous games had like combo meters. Yeah. Got rid of all that. Okay. Um, it, to me, it almost got like the Last of Us treatment. Like mm-hmm. that's the game I kept thinking of. I've played probably about 15 or so hours of God of War. Mm-hmm. The one comparison I, I keep finding myself making consciously as I'm as I'm watching the story and playing the you know through the combat is Last of Us. Right. And Last of Us is not a uh, physical combat focused game. It's more about mm-hmm. stealth and timing things correctly with taking out enemies in a specific way. Um, in God of War, there's no stealth, but mm-hmm. there is a certain approach to combat that I find is uh, comparatively similar between these two games. Um, Meaning that when Kratos is in combat with a bunch of enemies, uh, instead of button mashing, which he would have been doing in the previous God of War games, just get the combat done with as quickly as possible in in an efficient way, Mm -hmm. um, you're still trying to accomplish combat scenarios as efficiently as possible but you're not button mashing. You're timing things, and uh, for well, I don't want to spoil too much. The only thing I will say, and this is a spoiler, so if you haven't played the game and care, um, you for the first like ten hours of the game, you're using purely this Leviathan axe, which is Kratos' new main weapon. Okay. Um, which is exactly that, an axe that functions like Thor's hammer. Mjolnir, which you can throw it, hits an enemy, and then you could call it back to you. Mm-hmm. So you could chuck it, you can stick it in enemies, you can impale them with it, and then they freeze mm-hmm. in place. Some of them do. It's got mm-hmm. like a ice powers to the Leviathan axe. Frost. Frost powers, exactly. Right. Um, you can unlock more skills as you uh, level up and upgrade that causes the axe to do different things, different movesets, different combos, whatever. Um, but then 10 hours in, you do get your chain swords back. Oh. Um, but they completely reworked the chain swords. Uh, they're not, as you said, um, stretching halfway across the screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're also in a over-the-shoulders perspective in, in God of War, this iteration, where it, as right. in the previous games, it was like a top-down almost. Mm-hmm. It was a pulled-back camera where when you're in combat, it's like an arena. Right. And... Um, in this this God of War, it's an over-the-shoulder perspective. I heard this game has uh, no cinematic cuts. It's just like single-shot style. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Okay, um, that's been that's been popular lately. Like these long shots. You had Gravity with like its opening. I think it's like a twelve-minute single shot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Birdman and The Revenant, mm-hmm. both effectively single shot movies. Um, or not, yeah, single shot. Um, this one, and uh, I've heard, I've heard the an interview with the director Corey Bar- Barlog, I think is his name, and um, I'm kind of I'm kind of frustrated with the notion that single shot means that it's good, because um, Corey Barlog seems really like into the notion of a single shot execution in a mm-hmm. way that implies that single shot like brings something more than uh, cinematic trickery to storytelling right that's an interesting interesting thought i i guess it's neat looking but yeah, does yeah. it really do anything it doesn't really do anything it's just kind of like a neat trick yeah yeah like uh Alejandro Inarritu, the director, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of his trademark now. He directed Gravity, directed Children of Men, Birdman, and he loves... Oh, shit, he directed Gravity, too? Yeah. Well, and, okay, fuck. Yeah, and he loves the single shot. Like, that's what he's oh, yeah. he's made. And we've seen other movies. Like, there's this movie that came out called Victoria a couple mm-hmm. years ago, which is entirely yes. a single shot movie. Right. And... When you when you hear that, you think of uh, wow, they filmed an entire movie, an hour and a half movie, in one single go. And obviously, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and you think, oh, well, that's cool. Like that must yeah. take skill. There must be right. skill involved in being able to to do something um, uninterrupted and and perfected in the way that you want. Like mm-hmm. uh, when you think of it in the terms of Children of Men, seeing mm-hmm. Clive Owen in that extended single shot battle scene near mm-hmm. the climax of the movie where he's in that town being attacked by the military and mm-hmm. it follows him through this completely bombed out city while he's trying to not be blown up. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredibly impressive to see that. It's, it's very neat. It's cool. Yeah. But that's a good point that you make. What, how, what does it serve other than just being neat? And does it, is it a mark of quality? Yeah, so I I really like Birdman. I think that I had a great time watching that movie. I think everything about its execution is extremely impressive. Um, and like, I like the story. Um, there is a critique of that movie, wherein Inaritu is effectively saying like, "This movie's about me. Why haven't I received any accolades for the things that I've done so well?" And then he got the Oscar for that movie. Best picture, and, right? Best picture, yeah, and I think best director too. Um, and I understand that critique, and I I understand why some might be bothered by the um, um, egotism in making a movie like that. That is basically saying like, check me out, notice me, right? And I feel like God of War doing the single shot thing, and Corey Barlog talking about he's not a he's not a humble guy really um was he the guy um, that was crying reading the comments about like how good his game was probably reviews yes yes i think i think you're right because i remember in the interview he talked about a review reaction video yes okay this is not a this is not a humble guy and i and i would bet that birdman or the revenant are one of his favorite movies (laughs) and uh, that he sees himself in parallel to people like that and i can there's something about 
making this game in this way that just screams this is cool right and uh it it's kind of it, it needs that you need to do more with this stuff in my opinion like it's not it's like they brought it to video games cool like i guess nobody's done that in a video game yet but um there's something about prestige game making where they do like fancy shit for the sake of it being fancy basically and uh it's spectacle but um it, i don't know it's not it's not serving anything like you say uh and it it could it's potentially detrimental to though to the process of of delivering a product to a community of of gamers right yeah yeah it it can maybe it can get in the way of storytelling or maybe um i don't know i, I think that this game has has also received a lot of uh, attention for its storytelling and uh it's growing up quote unquote uh of the god of war franchise and of kratos as a character uh the datification is a uh a descriptor used in describing this game in that kratos is a dad now and so he has like real quote unquote concerns and he's like uh, emotionally depth, evolving yeah. yeah he has depth now because he's a father um and i i wonder i, I want to see uh games storytelling evolve beyond where everybody becomes who is making games becomes <laughs> a dad and then makes games about being a dad yeah yeah so uh, i've seen uh, a lot of uh uh hank hill memes lately right <laughs> do you want to end on a critique or do you want to end on a uh a positive note um yeah dude uh i had a really good coffee just now it's very tasty um that's in there that's, that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> perfect